Well, if you are joining us here at Hosanna Christian Fellowship for the first time this morning, or if you're joining us online for the first time, we want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here to worship us today at Hosanna. Those of you that may not know, I am Pastor Nathan, and today we're going to be looking at uh, an important question. And the question is, how do we know if what we hear from God is indeed from God? You ever had that question? You have a thought, a feeling, you read something, see a video on YouTube, sounds spiritual, you know, it sounds right on, but is it from God? Is it from him or from another source? You know, some things in life are easy to determine. Two plus two equals five. It's easy to determine that that's false, at least in a base 10 mathematical system, I found out, right? I don't even know what that means, but... Um, it's easy to verify that Abraham Lincoln, you know, actually lived and served as president of the United States. It's pretty easy to verify that we as humans can't fly on our own without outside assistance. Some of us as, as kids tried to, tried to figure that one out by jumping off the roof, right? But spiritual truth and spiritual error are not identified by intellect and reasoning alone. On top of that, our enemy, Satan, he desires to destroy truth, to absolutely destroy truth. And if he can't destroy truth, he's going to do everything he can to corrupt spiritual truth. And he works overtime to do just that. You know, in John chapter 7, Jesus was teaching at the Festival of Shelters. And in John 7, 15, it says, Then the Jews were amazed and said, How is this man so learned? Since he hasn't been trained, Jesus answered them, my teaching isn't mine, but is from the one who sent me. If anyone wants to do his will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own. Did you catch that? The one who wants to do the will of God is the one who will be able to discern spiritual truth when alleged truth claims are presented. We learn there in John 7 that the secret to understanding spiritual truth is not so much the intellect, or not the intellect alone, but it involves a great portion of our will. It involves a great portion of, of our will. If someone wants to do the will of God, what he is saying there is you will be able to, dis to discern the will of God. Or another way to put it, and this is in line with the context of 1 John as we have been studying through this letter, is if someone has the habitual desire to obey God, which is evidence of the new nature that they have been granted by God and evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives, well, then they will be able to discern spiritual truth from error. The verses we're looking at this morning, we're gonna be in 1 John 4, verses one through six. They come right after John's statement in the previous verse, 1 John 3, 24. And in that section at the end of chapter three, John was dealing with an important question. What if my conscience condemns me, right? I'm trying to do good, I have a desire to obey God, but sometimes we choose disobedience. Sometimes we stumble. And often in those times, the devil in our conscience, man, just beats us up and tries to tell us, you're not a Christian, you're not God's kid, he doesn't love you anymore. And so John was answering that question, what do I do when my conscience is telling me that I'm not God's kid? And so he said in verse 24, he goes, the one who keeps his commands remains in him and he in him. And the way we know that he remains in us is from the spirit that he has given us. You know, the huge spiritual truth we've been talking about for weeks now in 1 John is that we can know that we are saved. 
we can know that we are his. We can know and have confidence that we are God's kids by the desire and the intent within us to choose obedience to him. That's what that phrase, the one who keeps his commands, means. It doesn't mean that you perfectly obey every command of Jesus without falter, without stumbling, without ever messing up, but it means you have that overriding desire, that habitual desire to want to obey him. And we can know we're saved even when the devil, even when our conscience tries to tell us otherwise, because that desire within us to obey God is from God himself. It's a desire that God gives us when we are born again and given that new nature. But that spiritual truth, which is a big one, isn't the only spiritual truth that exists in all of scripture. And it's not the only spiritual truth that we're to live by. And on top of that, our understanding of that spiritual truth can itself be influenced by our understanding of other spiritual truths. And so knowing the truth is critical to living the truth, which is the first two parts of our mission statement here at Hosanna. Now, the very existence of spiritual truth by definition means that there must exist spiritual error, spiritual falsehood. You know what is true by the existence of that which is false and vice versa. And neither one are discerned by the logical, intellectual faculties alone, as I stated earlier. Yes, they're part of it. Yes, as Christians, we are to use our brains. <laughs> yes, we're to think through. Yes, we're to look at things apologetically and be able to defend our faith and all of that. But our intellectual faculties are only a part of discerning spiritual truth. Case in point, some of the most intelligent people on planet Earth today are dead wrong about things they believe and teach, especially about spiritual things. Smartest people on the planet, dead wrong, dead wrong. Now, knowledge is great, and knowledge would be considered intelligence, but discernment is important as well. And discernment would be what we call wisdom, right? Knowledge and discernment, intelligence and wisdom. Now, discernment is simply getting the point of a fact or a truth, and then intelligent application of that knowledge. That's what discernment is. That's what wisdom is. Intelligence is simply just facts. It's knowing facts. But the difference between knowledge and discernment, one is knowing facts. The other one is then doing the proper thing based upon the knowledge of those facts, right? So today's text is going to deal with the source of truth, the source of false teaching, how to identify the source of it so that we can know things are from God. And really, it's going to talk about how to identify, how to know that what we're hearing, what we're feeling is truly spiritual truth or not. If it's from God or not, so that we could then live accordingly to the truths God wants us to live by. But first, we're gonna worship, we're gonna lift up his name and praise him because uh, he is our God, he is our savior, he is our father, he is truth. He is the way, he is the life, amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much and we love you. Lord, you are the one who came from eternity past into our timeline, into our world, clothed yourself in flesh, lived here. Jesus the Christ lived a perfect life and then died on the cross for us. But Lord, you didn't just die, you rose again. And God, the truths of what all that means and why that happened and the implication for us, God, are truly life-changing. They dictate everything about our future and they dictate everything about our present and they deal with everything in our past. Lord, the truth of who you are and, and, and what your death for us means, God, 
is really everything. Jesus, you are everything. And so, Lord, the truth about who you are and what you did, God, that all guides and directs how we live today. But, Lord, we live in a world that is saturated with falsehood, saturated with lies. Lord, we live in a world that is filled with people who claim to speak for God, and yet they speak things that are contrary to God. Lord, we live in a world today with with infinite variations of quote-unquote spiritual truth, Lord. But God, as your children, we want to be able to discern what is really true, what is truly true. God, especially as we're endeavoring to live in this world as your kids, Lord, to follow your leading and your prompting, the enabling you've given us through the Holy Spirit and our new nature to choose obedience to you, to choose the right thing, God, even when we stumble and our conscience is trying to tell us we're not your kids and you don't love us anymore, God, help us to be able to discern what is true and what is not true in all these things. Lord, speak to us today. We love you so much and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we are in John chapter four, verses one through six, and I'm just gonna read it for context and then we'll dive in. Dear friends, he says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. You know, John begins this passage here by saying something that is kind of like, duh, but we need to hear it, right? Christian, don't believe everything you read. (laughs) Christian, don't believe everything you hear. Christian, don't believe everything you feel. You know, we need to hear that sometimes because sometimes just because we feel it, it must be true. Sometimes because someone said it, it must be true. We know in the New Testament, the, uh, um, the Bereans, right? They heard Paul the Apostle. Hey, that's great, dude. We're going to go check it out and make sure you're in line with the word, right? Paul the Apostle, right? I mean, it's like if anybody you could trust, but they were like, hey, that's great, but, but you're a man and we're going we're gonna to verify You know, just because someone wrote many books or had a bestseller, just because someone's church is huge or they have hundreds of thousands of subscribers or followers on social media and YouTube, those things alone don't equal must be true. But conversely, those things don't automatically mean must not be true either, right? The context here that we've been getting in through 1 John 3, the context of spiritual truth is really the truth about who Jesus is, who we are in Christ, and then how we should then live. That's, that's the specific context. But what we're looking at today is also applicable into just generally discerning whether or not something is from God. So the, there's application to just general stuff, but specifically, we're talking about spiritual truth, about who Jesus is, who we are in Christ, and how we should live accordingly. 
You know, over the years uh, in ministry, um, I, I've, I've received from various different people um, serious, serious allegations and accusations towards elders, you know, in the church. And, oh, they're doing this and doing that. And, and, and most often, um, those types of situations have come up where somebody said, I had a dream about somebody and they're doing something. And, you know, I talked to my spiritual friend about it and they said, oh, that dream sounds real. And so therefore it must be true. And so I'm laying this accusation against an elder. And, and by no means, you know, are you to necessarily refrain when there's something that's on your heart and stuff, but, but things need to be tested, you know. And uh, in most cases over the years as we've heard things, if I've heard things and then I go and investigate and test, um, they're not true. They're not true. And so we gotta be careful um, leaning on our feelings, our, our dreams and stuff. Um, without testing these things to identify truth, you know? Um, but, but specifically, when it comes to discerning the truth about spiritual things, specifically, everything should be tested. Everything should be tested is what John is telling us here. And only that which is from God is to be accepted, is to be believed, is to be lived by. And so when we hear things, when we have dreams, when we have visions and stuff, you say, great, that's, that's a great starting place. Now let me go back and line those things up with what scripture says about who Jesus is, who I am in Christ, what that means and how I should live. Let me go line those things up, at least primarily start there to see if those things are from God or not. That's the starting place. So if it's from God, it's to be accepted and believed and lived by, but everything else is to be rejected. It's to be rejected and avoided. So there in verse one, he says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit. That word believe there means to put your faith in, to put your trust in, right? It's that whole idea that it, it is the, the guiding point of my life. It is the guiding point of my behavior. So he goes, don't believe every spirit. Now that word spirit there, it's a variation of a Greek root word, which is pneuma. That's the root word. This Greek root word pneuma um, is, is variously translated to refer to the Holy Spirit, right? The God, the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Um, but the word is also translated to refer to spirits in general, demons. Um, it's translated as ghost. It could be translated as breath, the wind blowing around. It can also be translated to refer to um, someone's inclination, right? Like you have a spirit of arrogance, right? Someone's inclination or their character. So this root word pneuma has all kinds of these Greek, you know, modifiers and stuff that, that give it these different emphasis. Well, the, the emphasis here, when he says, do not believe every spirit, the word is referring to an activating spirit. That's the specific reference of what he says here. Now, activating spirit in the, in the definition of the word is any immaterial or supernatural entity that is self-aware with ability to affect the course of human events. So what John is referring to here when he says don't believe every spirit, he's referring to that which is behind something, that which is motivating something, that which is prompting something. He's referring to what's behind that feeling we have, what's behind that dream we're having, what's behind that teaching that we're hearing or that preaching that, that, that we're hearing or that book we're reading, what's behind it? This is what John is referring to here when he says don't believe every spirit. 
And so really what he's establishing is when it comes to spiritual truth, right, truth about spiritual things, truth about God and Jesus and salvation and all of these issues, when it comes to what someone is saying or what we're feeling in regards to spiritual truth, it's coming either from the Holy Spirit of God or the devil and his demons. That's really what he's delineating here is that there's a spiritual source of these things and, and how do we determine the difference? Well, he says you test, you test. That word test is a word used in the first century where they would um, um, test metals to find out if they were genuine or not, right? You've all seen in, 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 you know, I guess olden times they would bite a coin to see if it was real gold or something, right? It's this idea of testing to, to find out if it's genuine or not. And so the test is, is God the source or is some other demonic spirit behind it, right? And it's very important, especially when it comes to feelings, because sometimes we can have feelings about things, feelings about people, feelings about churches, feelings about things that are demonically inspired because the, Satan wants you to bring these out, things out into the open to destroy and divide God's work. Sometimes these things are indeed from God because there's something that needs to be exposed. We determine the difference by testing. So why do we need to test? Well, he says there, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. When it comes to spiritual truth, there is a lot of garbage out there. There are a lot of lies out there. There are people that preach things that directly contradict with the word of God, but if you don't know what the word of God says, how are you gonna know the difference? There's that intellectual part, but it's not the intellectual part alone. There's a spirit within us. And many of us have experienced the situations where as a Christian, you hear something, you read something, and you're just instantly like, eh, that's not right. Right? That, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't taste right. That doesn't smell right. right? And, and, and that's the discerning part of things. Because there's a lot of falsehood out there. There's a lot of lies out there. And the interesting thing is he uses the word prophets here. There are many false prophets. He doesn't say false teachers. He says false prophets. And I believe he used that word specifically because a prophet was someone who spoke for God. A prophet was someone who, who spoke on behalf of God. And so when a prophet spoke, they were speaking with the authority of these are God's words. This is what God wants to tell you. This isn't from me. This is from God. And so it was a big deal when someone claimed to be a prophet, when someone claims to speak for God spiritual truth. And so he goes, there are many who have gone out into the world. Many. You know, in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 to 30, Paul identified two places that false teachers will come from to disrupt the body of Christ. He says in verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 29 of Acts, he goes, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. That phrase, come in, is referring to come in from the outside. He says, they will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And then in verse 30, he says, men will rise up even from your own number within the church and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. And so we know that false teaching and false prophets are gonna come from both outside and inside the church. And so we have to be able to be aware. We have to be ready to spot them. And, and whether it's from outside the church or inside the church, um, as John referenced, we gotta be ready. You know, John referenced those who come from within the church back in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, where he referred to them as antichrists, right? Little antichrists that are gonna come in and distort the truth of God. So it could either be people in the church or it could just be people out in the world empowered by satanic teaching. They're just out in the world influenced by what he uses here. It calls the spirit of antichrist. 
And those that are out there, they claim that what they're saying is spiritual truth. They claim, I have the secret, right? There was a, a book that came out um, quite a few years ago, and I was in, in a business world at the time where, where there was a lot of emphasis on, you know, personal development and, and growing and getting better, and, and this new thing called The Spirit came out by this lady named Rhonda Byrne, I believe it is. And all my Christian buddies in this thing, they were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And it's all about like think things into reality, right? You know, if you focus on riches, you will have riches. But if you focus on being poor, you will be poor, right? It's, it's, it's complete garbage if you actually read the book. Um, and so this thing like swept and everybody was like so excited. Oh my gosh, this is truth. And wow, wow, look. And she claims to got it from spiritual sources. And in the book, she even says that Jesus himself followed the secret. And I was like, well, let me look into this. And I read it. And in, in her book, she says, we are God. We manifest for ourselves our own reality. And from them until now, there are still Christians today that, that, that just, I think, ignorantly, you know, because the one-liners that, that, that she put out were, were very encouraging, right, you know? And, and they sound spiritual. They sound scriptural, right? God said whatever things are pure, noble, lovely, and true, think on these things, right? That's positive confession, isn't it? And so someone comes along and writes this book that sounds like it, and it's like, no, that's, that's, that's not true at all. So it's gonna come from outside the church, it's gonna come from inside the church, and they claim to say, we have a spiritual truth. We have a spiritual truth that's gonna enhance your, 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 your life, and when they say we have a spiritual truth, what they're saying is, I'm speaking for God. What I'm telling you is from God. Now, throughout history, there have always been false prophets. It's not a new thing. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, False prophets were so common that God gave very specific and strict regulations for how to deal with false prophets, right? Those who would dare say they speak for God, that I'm giving you the oracles of God, um, he gave regulations. What to do when those people say I speak for God when they're not speaking anything God gave them, right? Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 20 through 22 Summing it up, he says, if a prophet speaks in God's name a message God did not command them to speak, they must die. They must die. Not be canceled, not have their book taken off the list, not taken out of the bookstores, they must die. And the natural question was, well, how do we know if what they say is from God or not? Like, if we're supposed to kill them, well, that's, that's kind of a big deal. So we want to we not oops on this one. So how do we know the difference? And the word says there in Deuteronomy 18, if what they say doesn't come true, it's not from God, and they must die. That's harsh. Do you think God cares about truth? Absolutely, he really does, especially truth about him and who he is and what he came to do. Now, we don't so much kill false prophets today. Hopefully, you don't do that, okay. That would be not a good thing. Um, but we are to discern false spiritual teaching. We are, we are to discern false spiritual uh, truths. We're to condemn those things and avoid those things. And so a part of determining whether something is true or not is determining the source of it, 
right? In 1 Timothy 4.1, Timothy, or Paul writing to Timothy says, now the Spirit, capital S in your Bible, that's this word pneuma referring to the Holy Spirit. Now the Spirit explicitly says in the latter times that some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and teachings from demons. Some will depart from the faith paying attention to these falsehoods. You know, the source of false doctrine, the source of false spiritual truth, it's Satan. It's Satan. It's him and his demons. It's not man alone. I mean, man contributes. But the source of these false truths are the enemy himself and his plan, as I said earlier, is to distort the truth, to destroy the truth. He wants to get away with it, and so he wants to take true doctrine, and he wants to pollute it and corrupt it and distort it and twist it, and he does this by means of false prophets who go out into the world saying, hey, I have a new truth about God. False doctrine is dangerous because it denies true doctrine. False truths are dangerous because they deny real truth. They distort it. They, 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 they do all these things, and it deceives people. It's very, very dangerous. And so, I mean, you think about how cults operate, right? The cults in the world today. Often they'll come pretending to be a valid Christian group, right? Oh, we're Christians too. They'll come into the world, and they'll say, we're, we're, we're just, we're a denomination, Right? You guys have Baptist and Calvary Chapel and Pentecostal and, you know, we're just a denomination. Or they'll come in and say, you know, we just, we just have different interpretations of that, but, you know, we're Christians too. Matthew 24, 5 said, many will come in my name saying I am the Messiah and they will deceive many. Mark 13, 22 says, for false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray if possible the elect. The result of these false Christs, the result of these false prophets, the result of these fake spiritual truths is deception. And it's really difficult today because in the world today, at least what I can see, a lot of, of, of spiritual truth is watered down. It has been watered down and diluted and corrupted to the point where it could hardly be called spiritual truth at all. There's many in the church today they're like, oh, would you stop talking about doctrine? We shouldn't focus on doctrine. You know, we, we stop being so dogmatic about doctrine and theology. You know, we should just be having conversations. We should just, you know, I mean, God is a God of love, right? Aren't we just, just, just be loving. And yeah, we are to love. We are to be loving. We are to work and operate in the world, but we're not to be of the world is what the Bible tells us. You know, a very hard truth for some, a very hard truth for people to deal with today, especially a lot of younger Christians out in the world today, is that Christianity is doctrinally intolerant. It is. And some people are like, oh, it needs to be accepting to all things. Now, Christianity accepts all people, but Christianity doesn't accept all truths, quote unquote truths. Right? Jesus said, I am the way. What does that mean? There is no other way. Jesus is the way. He's either right or he's wrong. Right? Christianity, by definition, is a God-revealed faith whereby God determines what is true and what is not. He gets to make the rules. He gets to do that. He's the creator. It's his world. It's his universe. 
And we can't forget, though, that Satan is always out for the destruction of that truth, and when he can't do it, he will corrupt it, and he will dilute it so much to where it's like, it's not really spiritual truth at all anymore. Now, verses two through six, he goes on to give us three tests to determine spiritual truth from error. How to, how to determine if, if what we're hearing, what we're reading, um, the videos we're watching, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, how to determine, is this spiritual truth? Is this, is this true when it comes to spiritual things? The first test is, does it line up with biblical truth about Jesus? The second test is, does it stand against that which stands against biblical truth? And the third test is, does it result in living obedience to God's will? So look at verse two with me. He says, this is how you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, even now is already in the world. So he goes, this is how you will know the spirit of God. That phrase there, spirit of God, is referring to the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that he referenced in in chapter three, verse 24, when he said, look, this is how we know we remain in Christ, by the spirit he has given us. So he's going, this is how we know that we're a Christian. This is how we know we're saved, by the spirit he's given us. And he says, don't believe every spirit, test the spirits. But then he goes, this is how we know the Holy Spirit. This is how we know that it's him speaking. This is how we know that it's him uh, guiding and directing us. This is how we know that it is from him. Now, in verse 24 of chapter 3, it says that God has given us the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to his people. The Bible tells us that when we are saved, when we are generated, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is our, the guarantee of our inheritance. His presence dwelling within us, his sealing us, it's all granted to us at salvation, given to us as a gift, and he has a work that he does within the life of the believer. John chapter 16, verse 13, it says, when the Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. That's a part of the function of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, to guide you into all truth. And so what John is saying there is this is how you know the Spirit of God. This is how you know that God is the source of the teaching, that God is the source of the feeling. God is the source of the, of the spiritual claim. This is how you know it's from God. This is how you know that what is being said by, by, by the teacher or by your conscience is from the Holy Spirit. Does its claims ultimately line up with this truth, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? That's step one. Does the claim line up with that truth? And you go, well, sometimes I have thoughts and feelings and I hear teachings and stuff and they really don't have anything to do with whether or not Jesus came in the flesh. So what do you mean? Well, this phrase that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, it encapsulates the, the entire scope of truth about who Jesus is, right? It, it's about who Jesus is, what he came to do, how he came to do it, why he came to do it, who he is now, where he is now, when he is coming back, and why. All the truths about who Jesus is. As God, the Son, second person of the Trinity, what the Bible, God's word says about him and his work, and all of them, what that means in our lives is all encapsulated in this phrase that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. Does the alleged spiritual truth line up with the truth of who Jesus is and the implications of those truths in our lives? 
Now we dealt with this in great detail when we were in John 2 verses, uh, or 1 John 2 verses 19 through 23. We talked about how, how to identify these junior antichrists that are within the church. So if you want to get even deeper into that, I encourage you to go watch that video. It's on our YouTube page. But here he talks about every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come. That phrase there is emphasizing the truth that Jesus came from another realm altogether. Right? He's not just some man born as a man. Right? He, he came from somewhere else. He's not of this earth. Then when he says, in the flesh, that's then John emphasizing the fact that, that not only did he come from another realm, but he also came bodily. Because right? you remember the Gnostics at this time were like, Jesus didn't even have a real body. Like he couldn't have had a real body because the body is evil and sinful and Jesus was without sin. Therefore, he was a ghost. He was a phantom. He's like, no, he came bodily, right? He, we, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him, we handled him. He was here bodily. And this is all building from the truth that John opened up with in 1 John chapter 1 when he said, look, what was from the beginning, what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have touched and handled, right? He's this Jesus is, is, is what we're here to proclaim to you, who he was and what he did. Now, many in John's day and in the church today deny the unique deity of Jesus and his eternal sonship. And that really affects everything. How to know a teaching is false or a group is a cult or a feeling a dream or a feeling or a dream is not from God. You start with what it says, what it implies about who Jesus is. And then what those truths about Jesus imply in who we are and how we live. That's where it starts. That's what you start with. Does it line up with God's word? Or does it twist it? Does it distort it? Does it add to it? Does it take away? You always got to find out what, it, what does it say about Jesus? You know, um, Walter Martin wrote a book called Kingdom of the Cults once, if you've never read it. It's a, it's a long read, but it's good. But in chapter 17, as he was uh, analyzing all the different cults, he had a whole chapter uh, about what the cults say about Jesus. It was the Jesus of the cults, right? And, and so he's like, okay, what do all these cults that claim to be speaking for God and claim to have spiritual truth, what do they say about Jesus, right? And then so, some of you know this, some of you are familiar, but the Jehovah's Witness uh, organization who claims to be from God and of God, um, they say that Jesus is a God, but not God, not God Almighty. Um, as a matter of fact, they, they say Jesus is the first creation of God, that in a previous time he was actually Michael the Archangel before he gave that up to appear in the world as a man. And, and, and so Jesus is an angel that became a man. False. False. Mormonism. What do they say about Jesus? Well, Mormonism, contrary to popular belief, believes in a pantheon of gods. They claim to be, oh no, we believe in God, but they believe in a pantheon of gods, right? Because in Mormonism, the God of this earth, who they refer to as Heavenly Father, was actually once a man on another planet who was a, a guy that did so many good works, he ascended to Godhood, and he was gifted with earth as his planet. Well, what about Jesus? Well, Jesus was, was created by God. Actually, he was created by God who also created the devil, and so in their doctrine, Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. They're brothers. They go on to teach that Jesus was the husband of Mary and Martha and many other wives, and that Jesus had fathered many children by all his wives, and that Jesus is the ruler of this earth, not the God of this earth, but the ruler of this earth. He was rewarded for his faithfulness, rulership of this planet. False, 
It's not what the Bible teaches. They had to come up with three other books to, to horseshoe this truth into the Bible. Islam, adherents of Islam do not consider Jesus to be divine at all. They don't consider him to be the son of God, just, just a man who is a great prophet, right? As a matter of fact, if you ever visit um, Israel and you, you get to go up on the Temple Mount and see the Dome of the Rock, there's a big plaque on the side of the Dome of the Rock that says in Arabic, God has no son. False. Not true. Beyond that, though, anti-Christian teaching um, isn't only an open denial of the biblical truth about Jesus. Sometimes it's just a subtle misrepresentation. Um, it's adding or detracting something about him, like I said. One of the modern, what I, I lean so far as to say is, is dangerously close, if not a cult, is oneness Pentecostalism. You know, that says Jesus is not the son, that Jesus is actually the father, like the father left heaven and, be, and clothed himself in flesh, so while Jesus was here on the earth, there was no father in heaven. It's not what the Bible teaches. And if you believe these errors about who Jesus is, well then go and look at the rest of the theology in these false cults, and you'll see the result of false belief about who Jesus is. What you believe about Jesus is, is, is absolutely essential. It's everything. And every world religion and cult without exception denies or twists what God's word says about who Jesus is. And so the first test, you know, any teaching, any feeling that contradicts the truth of Jesus and the implication of those truths is from the spirit of Antichrist, not from the spirit of God. Verse four, he says, you are from God, little children, and you have conquered them. Who? The false prophets. You've conquered them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So this is where the second test comes from. Does, does what you're hearing or feeling stand against that which stands against biblical truth? Or is it in line with it? Does it sound like it? This is the idea here. For a Christian, our life comes from God, right? He says, you are from God. That phrase there means, look, you are his kids. We are his children. We are begotten of him. We've been born again. We've been given a new nature, right? This is what all of 1 John chapter 3 was about. And so, so he's like, you are from God. You're born of him. You've been given this new nature. Your dead spirit is alive and now connected with my spirit. My spirit lives within you. It, it's, it's, it's all a part of this truth. And so then in verse 24, he says, we know we remain in Christ from the spirit he has given us, Holy Spirit, Chapter four, verse one, but don't believe every spirit. Don't believe everything that, that, that is said because what's behind it? You gotta figure out what's behind it, the motivating source, right? What is the activating spirit behind what, what is being claimed there? For us, for the Christians, it's the one who is in us. The one who is in us is the Holy Spirit. That's what he's referring to here. The Holy Spirit who indwells every single believer. The one whose job is to guide us into all truth, right? We have that within us. The one who is in the world is Satan. Satan is the motivating source. Satan is the activating spirit behind everything that stands against God's truth. And because the Holy Spirit is in us through salvation, as the Bible teaches, because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, because he is the spirit of truth who is to guide us into all truth, he says, you've already conquered the false prophets and their lies. 
What that means is that instead of living in this world going, oh no, there's so many liars out there. How can I possibly win? How can I possibly be safe? You know, I can't read a book and I can't watch YouTube and I, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. He's going, whoa, chill. You're good. You got the Holy Spirit within you. If you're God's kid, the spirit of truth who is in you is gonna guide you into truth. Trust that, rest in that. Right, pray. God, is this from you or is this not from you? God, I'm asking you to guide me into truth here. I'm hearing this thing, it sounds real spiritual, it sounds good, it sounds solid, it's super encouraging, but God, is it from you or is it from from another source? God, I wanna know the truth. And so he's saying, because you have the spirit within you, you've already won. You've already conquered them. That word conquered there means to have victory over them, victory over their false message, victory over the false doctrines, victory over the lies. Basically, what John is saying here is because the Holy Spirit dwells within us, connected to our born-again spirit, because we are linked to God that way, we are able to discern truth from error when it comes to spiritual things. We're able to. We weren't able to prior to salvation, incidentally. But now you're able to discern. And so what John is, is, is doing here, he's already spent time in chapter two speaking of this, right? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 20, he said, but you have an anointing from the Holy One and all of you know the truth. You have an anointing from the Holy One. All of you know the truth. He goes, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And so when we hear things and feel things and, and, and read things and dream things, we need to go, whoa, okay, God, is that from you? God, is there spiritual truth in that? Because if we just take things like that blindly, we could find ourselves being led astray and going into some, some very strange territories. We have victory in the war of spiritual truth because the Holy Spirit is greater than the devil. That word greater means stronger, and I love that picture, right? It's like the devil yapping in your ear about something, and you're like, ah, and the Holy Spirit comes up, and you know, what's up, devil? Devil's like, (laughs) sorry, runs away. I mean, that's the picture in my head, right? I don't know what picture you get in your head, but he's greater, he's stronger. So I can lean on that. We don't have to overestimate the power of the enemy, nor do we need to underestimate the power of God. Instead, we confidently trust in his guiding. So if what you're hearing, if what you're feeling, if what someone's teaching regarding a spiritual truth in any way contradicts God's word, stands against the truth of, of, of God's word, then you can know it's not motivated, ap- activated, or prompted by the Holy Spirit. Conversely, that means it's motivated, activated, prompted by the spirit of Antichrist. And what are we to do with things that are of the spirit of Antichrist? Entertain them? Dabble with them? No, avoid them. Throw them away. Get, get, stand against those things because they stand against God. So because we can confidently trust the spirit, we don't have to live in fear of being led astray. As long as we remain in him, as long as we test everything as he's calling us to do determine its source, we're able to verify whether or not what we're hearing, what we're feeling, what we're thinking is, is, is against God or for God. We're able to verify, is it from his spirit? But, but part of that verifying is listening to the spirit. Look what he says in verse five. They are from the world. Therefore, what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. 
Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. So this is the third test here. Um, and I'm gonna build up to this, but the third test is, is does what you're hearing, reading, feeling, does it ultimately live in, in, or result in living in obedience to God? Obedience to him, keeping his commands, saying, God, I, I wanna do what you want me to do. I desire to follow you. Does it result in that? You see, when he says they are from the world, their source, their motivation, what's behind them and their teaching and the lies is the world. And that word world is referring to the whole system of things that is opposed to God. The whole system of things and philosophy and thinking that is inspired by the devil to, to tear down God's truth. He's referring to all of that. And he says, since that is their source and motivation, their truth claims will ultimately sound worldly and come off worldly, not biblical. They'll, they'll be more me-centered than they are God-centered. They'll be more about self and self-pleasure and, and self-purpose and self-attainment than they are with God's goals and God's desire and God's will. That word listens there, incidentally, when he says the world listens to them, it means to believe something and then live accordingly. To believe something and then live or behave accordingly. He says the world listens to them. Why? Well, because their message is familiar to the world. <laughs> because it's right in line with what the world preaches and teaches. It's just wrapped up in a nice Christian candy shell. Since God isn't prompting there or the alleged truth, because it's actually in line with the world's way of thinking, then, then the solutions that are, that are given to, to spiritual things will ultimately be worldly solutions, not godly solutions, not biblical. The motivations for spiritual things will ultimately be worldly motivations, not biblical. And the goals and desires in spiritual things will ultimately be worldly goals and desires. Does it sound like the world? Does it taste like the world? Does it smell like the world? Well, what is the world? The world's about me and self, elevating me, my fame, my fortune, my pleasure, my comfort, my everything. It's about me being right. It's about me being loved. It's about me. It's about me. That's, that's, that's the world. A couple chapters ago, he said, look, it's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He goes, flee those things because that's what the world's about. But when something comes along and presents itself as a spiritual truth, you can dress it up in, in Christianese all you want. You can dress it up in churchianity all you want, but when it sounds and feels like the world's way, it's probably of the world's way. And when it sounds and feels opposite of the world's way, then it's probably opposite of the world's way. You guys heard the phrase, if it quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. Now, I'm not so naive to say that that's, you know, 100% true, right? Sometimes you gotta dig, and you gotta dig, and you gotta dig to get to the truth of things. But if it's opposite of the world, 
and your spirit is, you know, I've, I really do have peace about this and I've gone back to God's word and I lined it up to, to see if it lines up with the truth of Jesus and all those things are, are lined up accordingly, then, then you could trust that, that what you're feeling, what you're hearing, it, it's from God. When it's contrary in any way, it's not. It's not. So we should always scrutinize all who would claim to have a message from God or any message that claims to be from God, we should always scrutinize it from internal and external sources. You know, is it declaring the Bible? Is it, is, is it declaring that the, that the Bible alone is the word of God? Is it adding to or subtracting to or modifying what it says? Is it interpreting its claim within the framework of, of biblical Christianity or what you would call it orthodox Christianity, right? Because what does John say there? He goes, uh, back. He goes, anyone who knows God listens to us. He's talking about the foundation that God gave the apostles and the apostles took and then taught to the church and then has proliferated down through the ages. Or is it some twisted, distorted version of what God's word is teaching? I believe God, John is teaching us today that those who know God, who have a new nature, will habitually listen to the true gospel. They will habitually listen to God. And what I mean by that listen is they will believe it and live according to the truth of God's word. Um, they'll, 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 they'll do that and reject anything else. Why? Because they have that new nature. They are empowered and able to discern the difference by the Holy Spirit. They will be able to discern spiritual truth from spiritual error, but they've gotta listen. They gotta listen to the Spirit. That involves prayer, that involves reading, that involves counsel, that involves all the things the Bible tells us. But when we close ourselves off from counsel, when we close ourselves off from fellowship, when we don't read our Bible, when we don't, something's gonna come along and we go, wow, that sounds so fuzzy, I wanna post that on, on my social media. And the source behind that could be something incredibly demonic that intends to destroy and tear down the truth of who God is. Those who don't know God, ultimately, habitually, will not desire to follow after God. They won't be able to discern spiritual truth from error. And the reason is, is the devil and his demons are really good at what they do. They've been working at this for thousands and thousands of years. They're good at deceiving people. They're good at deceiving the world. They can dress up lies and falsehood to look really good spiritually, but as good as they are, God is greater. God is greater. So when you hear something, whether it's external from a false teacher, whether it's internal from your own conscience that has the intent of dictating spiritual truth to you and thus spiritual living and spiritual identity, start with, is this from God or not? Does it line up with the truth about Jesus and who he is and what he did and what that means in our daily living? Does it stand against that which stands in opposition to biblical truth? Or does it support or endorse or encourage worldly interpretations of biblical truth? Does it result ultimately in me living in obedience to God's will? Does it result in that or does it result in living your own will? Does it result in living the world's way? These are the questions that we ask. And when the teaching or the thought and the feeling, when that stuff results in choosing obedience to God, choosing adherence to his scriptural truth that we've been given to him, to, to, that leads to us leaning on him and listening to him and depending on him for everything in his will and his word, 
then we could walk in confidence that what we're hearing is, is from him, is from God. This is the measuring stick that we use to discern spiritual truth from spiritual error. Or as John puts it, this is how we know the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. Let's pray. Father, truth can be so easily manipulated. And it can be manipulated into saying things and teaching things and encouraging things, Lord, that, that are contrary to you, contrary to who you are, contrary to what you came to do, and Lord, I think most of us, most believers in the church, Lord, we, we have a desire for truth, God. The spirit of truth lives within us. But because we know our new nature coexists with our old nature, Lord, sometimes that old nature can lead us astray. Sometimes, Lord, when we're not listening to you, when we're not reading and we're not living and we're not you know, praying and we're not connected to you in the way we can be, Lord, we open ourselves up to, to things that might sound great on the outside and be dressed up in very spiritual ways but are ultimately things that contradict you and who you are. And Lord, we can't discern the difference without you. And so I ask God that you would fill us, every single person in here and listening to this, God, fill us to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. God, that we would all to be, able to op- be able to operate with the gift of discernment that comes from you. To be able to hear something or listen to something and, 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 and Lord, be guided by you to say, that, that, I don't think that's right, Lord. That we would then be able to, to dig in and to line these things up, Lord. To not be cavalier about it. To not be, no, nah, it's no big deal. But Lord, really to stand firm on truth. Because Lord, there are so many lies in this world today that claim to be spiritual truth from God but are simply deceptions from the pit of hell that are designed to do one thing, Lord, to destroy your truth, to cause us to look inward, to cause us to to trust on ourselves, to cause us to, to think we got it all handled, Lord, and Lord, we got nothing handled without you. We need you. And so God, we pray that the spirit of truth would just saturate our lives. That the spirit of truth would guard us against the spirit of deception. That the spirit of antichrist that is already in this world, Lord, would not affect those that are your kids, Lord. But that we would be diligent to choose obedience to know that because we've been given a new nature by you, we can choose obedience, Lord, but we do that through your power. And so we ask, God, that you would empower us to do that, to know the truth, to live the truth, and then to be people who go back out to share the truth, that a lost and dying and deceived world would come to know the true God of this universe, to have a true saving relationship with you, and to live lives that glorify you in, in, in every way, God. But Lord, we need you so desperately, and so Lord, please work in our lives that we would know truth from error, whether it's external, whether it's coming inside the church, or whether it's even coming from our own conscience, Lord, that we would reject lies, 
that we would avoid those who claim and preach lies and that we would stand for you. We love you. We thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship, guys.